Hello, and welcome to the Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm Gahal, and Brian's also here. Hello. We've just finished up the Munster final, and we've just finished up the remaining qualifier rounds. We're down to the last six teams. There's no one bad left in it, and I suppose we've good bit to talk about as a result. Thrills, spills, and stolen slitters. This weekend pretty much had it all. Mystery, suspense, hammerings. Yeah, mystery, suspense, hammerings. Near comebacks. Just had it all. Marty Morrissey. Well, Marty Morrissey already has it all just by himself. So. He, he is every man. He is every ideal man. So without further ado, will we launch into the, we, the matches just gone by? We will. So Saturday, we had the remaining qualifier rounds. Uh, we'll start off with Tipperary versus Dublin in Semple Stadium, Thurless. It was Tip 626 to Dublin 119. <sighs> um, so after the Westmeath match, we were wondering if Tip looked a little bit shaky. You know, they weren't as uh, dominant, anywhere near as dominant as we thought they were going to be. We are kind of wondering, oh God, are there some like cracks beginning to show? And uh, this is what we get. I think for we were all hoping. After absolute hammering here like Dublin hurling has taken an absolute beating over the course of this year we were hoping with their strong performance against Leash, albeit a weakened Leash, just that there was mm. some fight left in them I know that you know it was a bit of a mismatch against Leash, and it wasn't much of a you're not proving much by beating them but we thought just because they did by such a solid margin that they'd have something to show and you thought maybe they'd bring a bit of energy and anger because they were a bit Annoyed at you know having having to play an away game and everything else, but no, uh, Tip absolutely just crushed them. Uh, real, just stop hitting yourself territory here for Dublin. Yeah, like uh, my own my own thoughts on it were, you know, I don't think it would have mattered if they played at home or in a neutral venue. To be honest, I I think the outcome was fairly. It's fairly set in stone. I really think you'd have had to have seen a performance out of Dublin this year that so far they really haven't shown all year. No. Um, just like the score speaks for itself. Uh, I mean, really, they have, like, as you said, they're going to be, they've landed themselves in fairly, fairly distinctly in 1B territory. And really, like, that's a massive nosedive, we'll say, both out yeah. of the league and out of the championship. And not even like the margin is just, you know, it's huge. It's humiliating, really, for a team for a team that was making like strides forward, like Dublin, um, to lose to Tip in that in that fashion. I think this year Dublin and Wexford have kind of done a bit of a swap. Uh, You know, Dublin went from the team that was maybe an underdog within one A, but they'd still take the one A teams on. Whereas mm. Wexford was the team that was like in one B and would beat Offaly and Leash and Kerry, but wouldn't beat say Limerick and whoever was most recently knocked down from one uh, A. But yeah, they've done a swap, and I really the, the more that you hear about Dublin hurling, the less I think they're going to recover from this quickly. Um, I, it looks now like I think they've said now Jerk, Jerk Cunningham is gone, and I think there are a lot of people glad of that, but I think. Those people also aren't thinking who's going to replace them because I don't know what you could do uh, to really fix this without a huge culture change because you've had so many players just leaving, going off playing football, 
just seems to be a lot of apathy towards hurling in Dublin. I mean, the, this match, the Dublin County Board scheduled uh, hurling league games on the same day, club uh, league games, for no reason. And like, you know, geez, just wait a mm. week because, in fairness, I think most people suspected that Dublin wouldn't get through. But like, just give it one week before scheduling those matches so that you're not having players conflicted about where to play and everything. It's just, and you know, not to mention that you might have fans then not showing up to one match over the other. It's just, it's bad form. It, Dublin aren't, I think, ever, they're, they're not going to get back into the top tier of teams anytime soon unless there's just a big change in attitude again. It, it does speak miles to the attitude that's held, really, like, for that for that to even happen in the first place. And I mean, yeah. like, as well with new management, you know, new management is going to have to go and have to convince players to get on board. And like, I think that's probably just a difficult, difficult thing to have. I suppose at Anthony Daly, you had that, you know, when Daly was there, he seemed to get on quite well with the players. And, and maybe when Daly finished his tenure, maybe they thought, well, right now on, on to, on to even better, even on, on to even greater heights. And it's just something that didn't seem to happen with Jared Cunningham. Yeah, I suppose, one thing that a lot of people have been saying, and you know, you heard it said on the Sunday game and everything else with Dublin, is that oh well, the players should want to play no matter who's managing, and they should want to play for the pride in the jersey. But I mean, it's easy to say that, but on the other side, you know, these are still amateur players; they're giving out massive, massive amounts of free time. Mm. It's it's a lot to do it just for pride in a jersey when you know you can wear the same jersey in a different sport with a lot more success potentially. And you exactly. know, if, if if they're good enough to be the star hurlers, a lot of the time they're good enough dual players that they might make it on the panel um, in football. Or even, you know, I'd say the club football scene in Dublin is probably a pretty big deal too. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it is, they do need a manager who can inspire them and who can inspire confidence in them. Because it's a long slog, it's not easy to make to the top and... I think once they lost the sense that they were progressing, it fell apart very quickly for them. And as a side note, I mean, it was pretty awkward on the Sunday game as well to have Anthony Daly really talking about that. I felt that was quite, was, quite an awkward uh, position to put him in. That whole, uh, b- between the Clare loss and that uh, discussion of like Dublin managers and stuff, you know, talk about his successor. Very, very uh, totes awky episode for Daly. Yeah, and and. and in addition to Michael Dignan um, giving out about the Sky deal with the with the GAA, which I thought was uh, was fairly entertaining, fairly entertaining. <laughs> it was quite entertaining. Um, uh, I did enjoy that, but I was at the same time like, it, it was it was a pain seeking out uh, a, a way to watch the uh, the next match we'll be talking about Waterford versus Kilkenny on Sky. But at the mm. same time, unless. RT wants to show like every match that's going on. Like there's so many gaps anyway. I don't think Sky showing matches necessarily takes away from RT also showing matches because they're just a huge number of matches that we can't see regardless. Like yeah. Way. So I know. Re- really, I think it's up to the GA to give us options of seeing as much as possible, mm. um, and just maybe cut out the middlemen of Sky and RT altogether. You know, that's just me. I'm, I'm just, I'm just used. I'm a millennial who just feels entitled to all my streaming options and my avatar yeah. host. So really, I don't know. Toughen up, snowflake. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, this isn't a match that was even shown on TV anyway. But to be honest, if it was, you wouldn't have wanted to have watched it anyway. I mean, it was it was a boring match, I think, for all involved. Um, from a tip point of view, yeah, like, I mean, you could take a lot of hearts in terms of players seem to be back performing, you know, nice, nice score racked up and definitely seen more up for it. And it looks like kind of the issues that they had, we'll say, against West Meads and uh, against Cork seem to have worked themselves out somewhat. So I suppose from a tip point of view, they should be happy enough going into the quarterfinal. Um, they should be happy enough going into the quarterfinal. I don't think you yeah. can really learn a lot from this. You can't, but I think, as you said, uh, tip will take heart from this. And thing is as well, it's not getting a massive win against someone you know like Carlo. It is, you know, mm. Dublin are still better than most counties at hurling. So while definitely a, a cut below Tipperary, um, it, it is good confidence builder for Tip just to put up that dominant victory. And I think maybe any question marks that went over them against Westmead now can just be kind of put down to a bad day rather than necessarily being symptomatic of some greater problems with them. Mm. Uh, I, I think it just helps them put those... Just put those kind of things behind them, put a bad day behind them, and yeah, as you say, just look forward to the quarterfinals. Okay, right. So the second quarterfinal match: Waterford versus Kilkenny, uh, also in Semple Stadium. Mm-hmm. Waterford four twenty three, Kilkenny two twenty two. Now, if you hear that scoreline without knowing the context, that seems like great, great win for Waterford. But never have I shouted so much at the television as a neutral fan. It was frustrating. As in the last 10 minutes of this match. Waterford were leading by 8 points. About 10 minutes left to go. And this match went to injury time. Um, I actually, I rewatched the highlights the other day. Because initially when I was taking notes on this match, everything just came down to how the hell did they blow that? What the hell happened? Before that, Waterford actually did have a really good game. They, They just... They kind of made it look easy. Like, they were very comfortably ahead of Kilkenny. Um, some great passing. A lot more um, kind of flowing open hurler, hurling than you're used to from Waterford, which yeah. I thought was a good sign. We're used to them playing very tactically and kind of cynically, but it was nice seeing, you know, they had some nice skillful passes and uh, dummy shots and, and just some kind of fun moments. But you can't ignore the fact that they came so close to blowing a massive lead. And I think, you know, I, I was so ready to say, right, Waterford are back, you know, as, as good as they were last year again, maybe better, but God, they just still, they still have trouble closing out matches. They still have problems with just keeping their lead going. And in fairness to them, like they got the lead right back up up again in, in extra time, even though it was limited time. Like they really, uh, once they settled back down again they just were flying it but I mean really that's because Kilkenny they just weren't very good and that's the perplexing thing with how it went to extra time was that it wasn't that Kilkenny suddenly regained the fire that they used to have oh god no it's just Waterford just started doing everything wrong they just handed it to Kilkenny and you know I think if Kilkenny were able to summon that summon that fire again uh, Waterford would not have come anywhere near winning an extra time. It would have totally gone Kilkenny's way. Uh, uh, and here's the so, here's a strange match. Yeah, here's the thing. Like this kind of, they're ahead by a nice margin and then losing it. It just really kind of smacked of that Galway um, 
Waterford match where yes. Waterford were 10 points ahead and then were beaten by Galway. And it's kind of a case of, well, what did you do to let that sort of a lead go? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's frustrating, would say. It is extremely frustrating. Like, I would have said this was a boring match up to the 60th minute. It was, you know, it wasn't particularly whatever, because to be honest, Kilkenny were not, um, were not able really to give a competitive match no. at that stage. TJ Reid is able to give a competitive Correct. match. Correct. The entire, the entire team is not. Um, other, other, other than some exciting moments with linesmen pushing, you know, there wasn't yeah. too much that Kilkenny did that was exciting. Yeah, and TJ Reid took, we'll say, the lines portion of scoring for Kilkenny. But I mean, like, really what they did was they walked a goal in, essentially. Yeah. You know, they walked... It, it reminded me more of, um, like, sometimes in rugby you just get those tries where it's just like... Everyone just pushes. Just, just kind of just keep pushing and fall in the right direction and just, like... Yeah. Kind of just, like, barely scraping over the line, quite yeah. literally scraping. And it was like that. Uh, that. That was how the goal was, really. Just kind of holding onto the ball and just walking into the net with it. Almost. And I mean, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Um, but like, it was do whatever you can do to to regain, you know, to get back into this game. And Kilkenny did it. Wasn't you know, like it didn't make for it. Wasn't excellent hurling. It wasn't anything. It was just pure grit and determination. To eat, like, it is a credit to Kilkenny um, to get the match back. Uh, to a draw at 70 minutes and then bring it to extra time. Like, I have to say, that is impressive. Um, in extra time, really, it just became apparent that they were wrecked. They just weren't yeah. able to weren't able to keep up. Waterford... I mean, it, it, took, it took everything they had to bring it to extra time, combined yeah. with Waterford suddenly going off the ball at the exact right moment. Yeah. And then, once, as I said, once Waterford kind of settled back into it, they, they did very well now, Waterford, to regain their composure... But once they did that, you know, like a seven point difference in 20 minutes of play is pretty, like, it's not bad at all. No. Especially when they're so tired. So No, it's not bad. And, and, and to be honest, there was, you know, Marsh Shanahan missed that free at the very end. And that could have, you know, that bought him to extra time. But then, you know, he did. I'm glad that he missed it too, because there was so much, you know, there was a dubious free. And I feel like they would have mm. had so much, uh, uh, did they deserve to win? Yeah, that now? that's exactly if, 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 it. But yeah. now, now at least they can properly enjoy the victory. First time beating Kilkenny since the late fifties. Mm. Uh, actually, it's interesting. I think it, both the, the match before this was their highest uh, winning margin since that year, and then <laughs> uh, the, you know just a week later they beat a team that they hadn't beaten since that year. So uh, yeah, and I mean as well, records being broken for Waterford. Yeah, and I mean as well as that, like Marcelso scored a goal in that in, in extra time, which I think was was nice for him. I think he, he he's kind of he's a great player, and I think it's nice to see him get back to back on form. Um, I have a feeling earlier on in the year he wasn't he wasn't quite there, but um, he seems to have come back into it. Um, yeah, like I I mean I don't think I don't think there's much else to say. I th- I think you know Kilkenny have been have been poor. Um, in terms of compared to their usual form, they have. I don't think that. I don't think Kilkenny deserved to get any further. Than no, the no, qualifier rounds this year. Um, if they had, it would have just. It would have been a bit silly, really. Um, and I don't think they'd have won their quarterfinal either. But uh, 
Like, it's definitely been a down year for them, and I have to say, as a neutral fan, it's quite nice mm. uh, not to have them in the quarterfinals for once. I, I looked it up last time they didn't make it uh, to a quarterfinal was 1996. Um, and also 2006 <laughs> is the last time they've gone, you know, at least two years without an All-Ireland. Which so, is amazing. In fairness, like, they are, they are definitely overdue to have a bad year. Yeah, and I, and I mean, really, you know, really, look, no harm. No harm for the game. Uh, and, like, to be honest, I think we called this match correctly. And actually, we called the Tip Dublin match correctly. But, but I mean, like, I don't, I don't think it really surprises that Kilkenny were knocked out at this stage. No, not with... The, even since the league, they've been looking a bit shaky. And, mm. uh, you know, I suppose they've looked shaky other years in the league and then come back, but they just never quite seem to get going yeah. in this one this year really their pigeons came home to roost pigeons of despair <laughs> i'm slightly worried that you're in charge of editing this week i'm wondering what's going to be left in here oh well, that's definitely um, that's definitely going to be left in <laughs> but, um, um I, I suppose then really i uh, see so you have it here brian cody i suppose question marks about his future yeah, I think really it's it's up to him. I you know he he could lose he could stay for another twenty years and lose every single one mm. of them, and he'd still probably be considered the best hurling manager of all time. I don't think he has to go anywhere unless he wants to. But I could just I, you know I, I could see as well if he doesn't want to deal with a rebuilding effort. I mean, he, I think he'd be the best person in the country. Oh, definitely to bring this team back up. But if he's not bothered going through that, it'd be nice time to bow out i think we'd all be glad to see him bow out mm. um you know totally out of respect because he is he has been so incredible for them um that us and the other counties want him to uh retire as soon as possible but um i mean it really is up to him most managers would be happy if they had an overall winning record uh you know for, across all their matches win more than half of them mm. he's won more all irelands than he's lost as a manager he, so, he's a bit like an I Alex mean, he, Ferguson. He's, he's he's just untouchable. He can do what he wants. Mm. Um, you know, whether he comes back or whether he goes, I think it's it's hard to discredit him as just probably one of the best managers the game has ever seen. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he is a bit like an Alex Ferguson type character. You know, in terms of his length of his tenure and the success um, that he that he's had, I think it's quite unlike. Other managers will say in for other hurling teams. I think he is quite unique in that in that regard. Yeah, it's it's just an incredible run that Kilkenny have had over the last uh, twenty years. Mm. Yeah, they'll they'll certainly miss him if he's gone. Um, we all will in a certain sense, but in a much realer sense, oh, it, it'd be good. It'd be good to, <laughs> to stop just killing everyone else every year. Um, so I suppose Kilkenny, yeah, they've. this is proof now what they've suspected all year. They need to rebuild this team, not necessarily totally from the ground up, but there definitely need to be some big changes, uh, whether it be in personnel or whether it be in tactics or culture or just a combination of everything. Because... Um, it just doesn't seem to be working out for them anymore. On Waterford's side, uh, definitely great win for them. Mm. Great psychological boost, just beating Kilkenny definitely. for the first time in championship in so long. Um, 
solid game overall. Those first 60 minutes were, you know, very good. They looked very comfortable, and their composure is obviously good just to get, you know, back into it after extra time. But, yeah, I, you can't ignore the weirdness of letting that win dwindle against... Like, I know Kilkenny can scrap for it, but they weren't skillful enough that they should have been able to do it. Waterford should have been able to hold them off. They're known for being a good defensive team. Yeah. And I think just the fact that it's not the first time this year that they've done it, um, as you said, that league match against Galway, where they were winning, I think, by an even bigger margin and threw it away. By 10 points. Yeah. It's... Like, I think Waterford, they're a very good team, but it's just hard... It's hard to think that they can go all the way this year. Unless they figure out what's happening there, I'd hire, I, I'd find it hard to see them um, win against Galway or a tip, a resurgent tip. Yeah, that's that's if I would break it down like that, I a just, team with scoring options essentially. Yeah, I don't think they'd have. I, I just don't think they'd have what it takes to, to beat a team like Tip or Galway. Yeah, and that's not being disingenuous. That's just more being. Tip and Galway would not allow that to happen in the first place. Um, It is just strange. Mm. Waterford's constant fading in the second half. And of course, the the Cork match as well. They were level at halftime and looking like they were, you know, still absolutely in it. And then just kind of let Cork go away with the game. And even when they scored a goal, they didn't follow it up with anything. They just seemed to have trouble closing out matches. Yeah. Um, Either way. So work to be done. Um, but I think still lots of potential in this current Waterford side, and you know they're still a very young side. But yeah, they 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 still have issues to work on. And I think also this year, not necessarily Kilkenny, but I think there are a few two teams who have started figuring out their style. And I think they just need more to fall back on. They need well. they need a a style of play that just goes beyond defensive system. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. They just need a style of play that just goes beyond defensive system. It goes beyond. Uh, they need essentially. They just need to express themselves a bit more. Maybe like, so. and they just. And need I think to, we saw signs of that in this, but they. Yeah, it wasn't quite enough. More work. More work required in that direction. Um, and I think that's not um, too far removed from what we'll be discussing later on. So that's a. It's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a teaser, as we say in the business, the the podcasting business, on which we 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 make no revenue. Speaking of uh, teasers, now we're going to be talking about the Munster final between Clare versus Cork next. Oh. But before we get into that properly, uh, a little side note. Uh, you know, we've we've commented before Cork matches. They have very passionate fans, and some of those passionate fans decide to bring flags, and many of those flags are confusing. Hmm. So I uh, thought I'd, I'd like to introduce once more a little uh, segment on like Cork Flag Watch. So uh, you know, this time we, we were at the match. We weren't hmm. just you know we weren't just limited to what the TV cameras showed us. We could get a full three sixty degree view of all the flags Mm. brought in and I have to say I wasn't disappointed by their variety and by their strangeness certainly were a few options there certainly were Mm. so uh, uh, cork flags I spotted at this match include but not limited to cork flag of course course, Irish flag which uh, 
you know, I guess Cork is in Ireland, but You're, so is the other. So is the other. Country, is it like a so neutral kind of flag? Like I'm on both sides. So I'm a neutral observer. Playing, unless they're ever playing like London or Warwickshire or something, I guess. Hmm. Um, maybe again, I, I know maybe as well one of the Northern Irish teams. But yeah, I know maybe confusing there. Uh, Palestinian flag, which political, which to be honest, like. I suppose I, that kind of makes sense, and I'd say that Cork people feel like they're the Palestine of of Ireland. I think so. You know, Ireland already has a lot of uh, Irish Republicans. Generally, often are kind of sympathetic to Palestinian mm. cause, but I feel like Cork Republicans then also feeling that you know Cork isn't uh, you know it, it's a distinct nation really from uh, the rest of Ireland, and it needs to have its voice heard. So yeah, I think I can see that. I can see that. You got a very tall building, chipper. Chipper that people queue up for. Uh, Italian flag, which I thought was very odd at the time, but I, I have heard, I think somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's like a Cork City football club thing, that it's because their colours are like green with red sometimes. So oh, okay. All right. Works okay. With that, maybe. But if that's not the case, then that is just confusing. Um, Argentinian flag. Makes no which, sense. Yeah, th those have the clear colors in them, if anything. You know, there's yellow and blue in it, but yeah. no red. And it's kind of confusing. Like, it's not even, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy with the, uh, the Argentinian flag. They're in the south of their continent. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's tenuous yeah. at best. Be could do better. Um, they could have gone, like, just, you know, a bit over in South America, gone mm. with Peru. They were in the white. Mm. But, uh, I don't know. It's continuing on. We have, uh, Flags of both Catalonia and the Basque region, so uh, lots of support for the Spanish separatist movements. No shortage of uh, controversies, are really. No, they were going on choices. a very political bent, but uh, I, I will make a mm. comment on that in a minute. Uh, we also then had Che Guevara on red background. Uh, do want to highlight at this point, I looked up Che's Irish ancestry was based in Galway, not Cork. Can't so, yeah. take credit for him, lads. Yeah, Can't. come on now. Come on. Um, US flag, not the Confederate one this time, I have to say. Which is good. Which is good, that's progress. Well done. You, you listened to our last uh, our last episode discussing the flags. They've gone they've gone with the, the winning side, the less racist side. Mm. I'm not gonna say you know, I'm not gonna say that the US hasn't has it has its problems, you know, because obviously, but uh, not the one that's actively supporting slavery. Mm. So uh Good work there, Move, moving from the Confederate flag to the modern US flag. Hashtag woke cork fans. Yeah. Uh, we had the civil ensign of Malta, which is an interesting one mm. to see. Um, looked quite well, you know, good red and white, good choice uh, of obscure flag, so I, I like seeing that. We had the Japanese flag, we had the imperial Japanese flag. Just to spice uh, it up. Yeah. It gave it a bit more flavor, more of a kind of sunbursty look. Mm. It looked exciting. Uh, Macedonian flag, similar, similar to the Imperial Japanese one, really, but with yellow instead of white. So mm. not quite there on the colors, but you know what, close enough. Uh, Californian flag, so you know cork colors with a bear on with it. With a bear on not it, not a bad, not a bad choice. And I mean, cork people and bears, you know, there's that whole parallel there. They've got Hibernate claws, fangs. Uh, generally, you know, hibernate for winter. The covering of hair, very like bears. And then, uh, following that, we also had the Serbian flag. Uh, again, a strange one. Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but cool. Yeah. Um, whatever. And uh, finally, probably the most 
confusing one was the flag of the album cover for Primal Screams Screamadelica. Um, not not a national flag or even regional flag. This was just flag of an album cover. And while there is a red background, also it does contain its fair share of yellow and blue. So again, kind of you know that one would work for Claire too, really. Mixed messages, so, uh, guys. Mixed messages. Got yeah. to do that. So better. I have to say, I have to say overall, good work. Great variety. Mm. Um, some nice obscure ones in there. Not afraid to get political, but backed off the uh, racist overtones there by not including the Confederate one. But still a couple of questionable choices. So I'm going to give uh, Cork fans B plus on the flag selection. Good work, improving. Mm. Still, you know, it's still not quite there. But you know what? Like, keep it up. You're you're getting there. You'll 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 have the grade up in time for the uh, for the you know for the final exam. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one damper on the Cork flag watch is the band before the game. They had their Cork flag on backwards. The white was on the hoist side. Mm. Uh, so essentially what they had was a Tyrone flag so uh, Thurless Band F yeah. is what you get Ter- you know, terrible so many so many, so many, many Cork fans with a passion for vexillology and you get mm. their flag wrong that's just not on um, I don't know if it's intimidation tactics from Tipperary who maybe expect to play them again later yeah. in the championship but uh, that's not on very poor show. And I had to pull you down from the side of it, from climbing <laughs> over the barriers to, to get over and fix it. So your your passion for flags is well known, my friend. Right. Will we get into the? Well, I think we've procrastinated enough on this. I think we've. Uh, I think we've. Uh, I think we've delighted our audience enough now to get on to something more meaty. Monster final. Uh, Monster final. Cork one twenty five. Claire one twenty. Um, oh. So I sp- I suppose like it it was disappointing for us. Yeah. Certainly but was. at the same time, the better team on the day definitely did win it. They um, certainly did. I was I was pleased with Cork. I was pleased with Claire that you know they didn't let themselves get hammered. They did show a good bit of improvement since the last mm. game. They still had plenty of skillful play and everything. Mm. Um, they they did look a lot more cohesive, but at the same time, they never looked like threatening Cork. Cork absolutely stopped them from getting on a good on a good scoring run, which is what you need to do against Claire, because I think once they get on a run, they can really yeah. build up a score quickly, but it was very, Cork kept it tit for tat, Anytime Claire got a point, they would get a point in response. Um, so yeah, I, I can't uh, can't complain too much, I think Cork absolutely deserved it. I suppose my main bit of annoyance was just, and I think this is what everyone's been saying all week, Claire's tactics and their inability to change those tactics when it was clear that they weren't working or that something else would have been better. Yeah. Extremely frustrating. They're, they, two, two main things. One, they kept taking shots from way too far out. Way, yeah, like that frustrated me to no end. Which was, was strange. And then I suppose the one that everyone's been talking about is the, uh, allowing Cork to get short puck outs. And I can see where they were coming from this because Cork, Normally very, very good at puckouts. Claire normally not great at 50-50 balls. However, Claire were uncharacteristically good at 50-50 balls on the day. Mm. And Cork were scoring a lot from getting the ball from their backs to the full forwards. Because you know what? It turned out their backs very, very good at hitting long balls. Yeah. You know, there was, there was, you were not impeding them by having the backs set it up to the full forwards. Cahalan did uh, some damage that day. Absolutely. So I think... 
between those two things and the fact that they just refused to change up the system up until the last few minutes uh, meant you were just giving Cork tons of easy scores. Mm. Uh, refusing to push forward meant that Clare were taking a lot of stupid shots. Um, and then also because all you had was um, uh, O'Donnell up in the full forward line, like trying to run across each Cork fullback, he was just wearing himself out needlessly mm. and probably hampering his ability. Um I suppose just add frustration because when Claire finally, right at the end of the match, last five minutes of the match, kind of copped on and finally hit it up to their full forwards, they got a beautiful goal from it. And it just let you left you wondering what could they have done if they had adjusted sooner. Yeah, so my thoughts are as follows, right? So to give context to the, the tactics employed by Claire, so essentially what they did was they pulled um, some of their forward line back into the backs when... Nash was doing his puck outs, anticipating that Nash would go for a long puck out. But of course, when you only have, we'll say, O'Donnell up front, and you have Conlon and Shannon now in the back line for Clare during a puck out, you know, Nash is obviously going to go like any player would do. Guaranteed possession, guaranteed possession by passing yeah. to one of my backs is better than an uncertain 50, you know, than an uncertain puck out if I just puck it down full to the forwards. A, you, you know, by passing to your own back, that back has, I suppose, a better chance of actually um, ensuring possession. You can get a more accurate shot. You don't have this fire to hit. Uh, and, you know, that back can actually also run down, we'll say, to meet Cork's yeah. midfield and work that ball up. Yeah. So you're not conceding possession. B, like you said, I six or seven times I saw Shane O'Donnell having to run towards Cahillan and every single time and come down and try and block. And fair play to O'Donnell. I mean, Jesus, he did it about six or seven times and it must have been horrendously frustrating. But he did it and I have to say, I think his work rate is, was impressive. Um, but like, it's incredibly frustrating to watch him swing, miss, and then Cahillan has driven the ball on and like that repeated itself over and over. Yeah. And like for if you have talent like Shanahan, if you have guys like like Shanahan, Conlon, O'Donnell, they need to be up forward. You can't like they need to be up forward. It's a straight. It's one of Claire's massive strengths is their forward line, yeah. and they were not used. And I, I think um, this is something that's been brought up by a few people. I think uh, I saw it in. Um, Jackie Tyrrell's article today, mm. for example, the Irish Times, which was excellent, by the way. Like it, it was, it was, it was, it was harsh, but it was very accurate. Yeah, Claire were trying way too hard to try and mitigate Cork's advantages rather than try and play to their strengths their and and play their own strengths. Like they, they were kind of, um, I don't know, cutting off their nose to spite their face. They were just, they were trying too hard to cork to hurt Cork at what they usually do very well without thinking about what they would do themselves in response or what they would try and do well. It was too tactical um, a game for my liking. It was too thought well, the game was, the game plan in a way was so hard and, it was and set in concrete. Yeah. Like like it and it was too tactical from a point of and not in a good way, but in a way of like this is it and this is it's all it or nothing. All designed, it was all designed to set up a counter but they didn't know how they'd counter you know once once they had succeeded and you know everything was geared around we need to stop cork from doing this but they didn't think about okay now that they're stopped what do we do in response exactly um 
so that you just you had these wild kind of shots. They they looked. I think Claire are very skillful players, but their decision making is a bit questionable. I think there's. I don't know if it's with Davy gone now and the new management in or what, but they seem to lack identity. And it's strange considering how long these players have been playing together now. Mm. Um, they just they, you know, as much skill as anyone, but they don't seem to. It's almost like they don't realize it or they don't know how to make use of it a lot of the time. And I and I think like this thing of you know. Clear backs, get the ball, it'd be um, passed on to midfield. Midfield would take a shot that was, you know, like in September, in an All Ireland final day, you might be able to get, you know, you get. But like on a day where there's wind and there's other factors to consider, you know, and after you miss the first one or two, really what you should yeah. be saying is, this isn't working. I need to. If I'm in midfield, some... if I'm Tony Kelly, I need to push up forward another ten meters or so. Yeah, if I'm going to there go for a to be point, like one more pass. Exactly. For, or for so many of their shots. Exactly, and that's something that just didn't happen. And really, what should have been happening was midfield should have been f- up and feeding the forwards and getting Shanahan, O'Donnell, and Conlon involved in the game as forwards, not as like running back. And then running back forward again, you know, up to the court goals, like just didn't really set themselves up for what should have really been a shootout. And that's what I was expecting. And it wasn't. Like, it no. wasn't really a tit-for-tat match or an exciting match in terms well, of... Well, it was, a lot of it was tit-for-tat, but the problem was that uh, it wasn't from an even ground. Maybe the first 20 minutes they were even, then court got ahead by five mm. points, and then they more or less stayed mm. at those five points ahead for the rest of the game. Yeah. The score never swayed too much one way or the other. Admittedly, the last five minutes, Claire finally got a bit of a good Woke one. And they finally abandoned their tactics, but I think it was just too late at that stage. They couldn't yeah. really um, build on it. They never got closer than two points so, within court score. So before we'll say we talk a bit more about the game in general, I think it's probably worth focusing on Cork and giving them their dues. Is really, yeah. I suppose. We, so. We've said a lot about Claire did what Claire did wrong. Yeah, I don't want to be quinging. Was still a huge amount of this match was what Cork did right, and exactly. You know, they they've definitely you know they have a lot of skillful players, but it's amazing the way that they're working together now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In kind of the same way that Claire weren't like Cork, they seem to know each player seems to know what they do well and what the player next to them does well and how to make use of it. Um, just some excellent. Passes, excellent shooting, excellent just controlling the match, controlling the pace of the game. Um, and even in situations where Claire were playing them well, like there were some shots from Cadigan, I have to say. I thought the Claire defenders did everything right. They forced him out into terrible angles mm. and he still, he just got it, got the point anyway. And there's, there's only so much you can do when players are playing like that. Patrick Horgan as well, I mean, I, I will say as a Claire fan, should have been sent off for uh, that elbow to the head but you know what he did have he did have a very good game uh, yeah. 13 points in all having rewatched points. it right it did like it wasn't intentional in terms of i think it was more his motion carried him in a way but at the same time uh, um at the same time a high challenge is a high challenge that yeah. you know like he should have been sent off for that but i think he had an incredible game like he he really did I mean, to rack up the score and and his like ability on free-taking was extremely impressive. 
Um, no, great performance overall from Cork. They just seem to be getting more and more cohesive every match. They maybe weren't as dominant in this one. They didn't mm. run away with it, um, maybe like they did in the second half against Waterford. But I think they just did a great job controlling the game. As I said, like they, they stopped Claire getting on a run. They did what they needed to against them and just kind of never got panicked. Even when Claire did get the goal and got within two points of them with a few minutes left, Cork just stuck with things... They counterattacked. They got a few points. They got the mm. score back into a safe distance again. And um, yeah, just excellent composure. They're they're playing. They look like a team that have been playing together for years. Even though yeah. half of them, it's kind of you know this is their first year or maybe their first couple of years on the panel. Um, so I have to give full credit to them. And I mean, as I you know, I'm I'm living in Cork at the moment, and there's definitely a lot of excitement building um i think a lot of people are really interested to see how far the current team can go and i think they're right to start getting excited at this point um it, it's funny it's it's you know they won the monster final 2014 but i feel like there's a totally different atmosphere about it where i don't know then they almost felt like what's going wrong that we didn't they were still hung up on not winning the all-ireland the year before mm. whereas this year i think everyone they there's a great sense that this team has something special and maybe um, this is just a team, even if they don't do it this year, they'll be one to watch for the, for the next few years coming. Um, the downside of that, of course, is, is cocky fans. And uh, I, I did, I did, I, I had a, a woman uh, roll down her window and shout at me uh, on the Kinsale road roundabout because she spotted my Claire Reg, my car. And, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't have been too bad on, on Sunday coming back from the match, but this was on Tuesday, like rolling down the window to shout, hey, lost. <laughs> like, and I mean, you know, I had a Claire Reg. In my, you know, I was from Claire, but people can own Claire Reg cars without being from there. So she may as well just been the other yeah. for certainty. Yeah, your, your, your car is county lost. Yeah, that was a strange experience. Yeah. But uh, that, that kind of thing shouldn't take, yeah. that kind of carry on shouldn't take away from... Uh, the Cork team, just as uh, Claire's stealing of slitters should not take away from the good things that they did. No, and to be fair, like that was just bizarre, and it was just so stupid. Yeah, it was just bizarre. God, uh, why, why it was done? God knows. There was an interview with Donal Logue, which may indicate that it was his brainchild, even if he wasn't the one doing it. But um, yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll blame Cork anyway for it via Donal Logue. Yeah. What I would say is, we'll say positives from a Claire's perspective. And looking there are, I would say, Conor McGrath and John Conlon, in terms of the goal that um, Conlon passed off to, uh, the, the pass that um, Conlon made to Conor McGrath, and the goal that came out of that was absolutely lovely. That's what I would have wanted to have been seeing Brilliant. all day long. But... Yeah, and like I, I think that's really the way they should be playing. Um, Absolutely. I thought actually a, a special mention really for Cahill Malone who struck off the woodwork. He actually kicked the slitter towards goal, which yeah. um, so unlucky. like would have been some goal if he had gotten it, but very unlucky. Yeah. And Tony Kelly, as well on his penalty, just again. Just narrowly missing, and in fairness, he got a point, which at a stage where any scorer would have been appreciated was yeah. was pretty handy. But you know, with two goals scored, maybe it'd have been a different sort of match. Maybe they'd maybe. have 
kind of woken up out of their stupor a bit, but mm, questionable. Um, but like, in addition, I'd have to say, like I mentioned, goes out to Jason McCarthy being subbed on in the backs that he made a quite a good impact. Um, also, Conlon accidentally shouldering the rock on the sideline, I thought was quite funny. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I had an old man sitting behind me who was shouting about Dermot O'Sullivan or The Rock coming on the field. He's like, <laughs> is he on the field again? Come out of it, O'Sullivan. Get off the pitch. And then he repeatedly kind of shouted this at the match, like on multiple occasions. And then another old man joined in. Is he on the pitch again? <laughs> so quickly we forget Davy's antics when he was in charge. Yeah. But, um... And... I suppose I'd also say David Reedy, when he came yeah. on, was I think phenomenal. Uh, when he came on, it made us realize, like, as, as well, another tactical blunder, I think, was they definitely started some players who shouldn't have been starting. They picked them on their usual form when they're fully healthy rather than on their current form. Mm. And I, I think that had Reedy been on earlier, he definitely could have made a bigger impact. But um, I think he probably would have shown the leadership that was required for for a match like that. Still, though, I yeah. I, I think it was disappointing. I do. I, it's kind of a bit bittersweet in that. Mm. I think this match reminded me that Claire still have plenty of talent, but, you know, that was only tactical blunders. But at the same time, you know, when are we going to fix the tactical blunders now? Exactly. Uh, tactical blunders. Tactical blunders is, you know, like what sort of comfort can you derive from something? Oh, we were nearly there, but nearly there doesn't. Nearly there doesn't win trophies. Nearly there doesn't get you to All Ireland finals. That's no. that's to sum it up. That's pretty much it. I, I yeah. as a final thing, I suppose the attendance is, is is one thing that I was kind of disappointed by. Um, now I know Claire GA they only demanded I think fifteen hundred tickets to supply the clubs. Um, that is a tiny amount. Which was was to be fair, I think was pity was like pitiful. At the same time, like. I would have thought for a Munster final, come hell or come high water, that people would have shown up and travelled and bought. Like, you know, there's tickets.ie, there's all that. You can get your ticket, you know, in advance pretty handily, I would have said. And There does seem to be, and you were saying it earlier with Claire kind of focusing too hard on, on countering the opposition rather than playing their old game, there seems to be a weird air of defeatism mm. just amongst Claire, And it seems to even permeate through to a lot of the supporters. But it's like, even though we've won, you know, most of the current panel were on an All-Ireland winning team, even though most of the current panel were on a league winning team. Yeah. There's still this assumption just that like, oh, we're only okay, still kind of underdogs. And it's just, I know, it's silly. And I mean, you look at, you know, obviously Cork is a perfect example because they are brimming with confidence regardless. Mm. But I think they've had a lot of teams that maybe did much better than they should have because they had that extra bit of confidence. And, you know, as I said, like, they were, they were let down tactically, but huge number of excellent players. Um, yeah. You know, the, the forwards obviously speak from themselves, a lot of the scores on the team. But even, you know, we, we saw in the Cork match, like, listen, they struggled getting the ball into the fullbacks, but I think the fullbacks did as good a job as they could. And, mm. you know, it may not show up on the scoreboard because there were so many shots scored from there, but that's just because that's where the possession was. I think... Yeah. Really, they did a good, as good a job as could be expected of them. And really, it's totally in the right of the fullbacks to get angry at the rest of the team rather than the other way around because they shouldn't have been expected 
to carry that much of the load on the day. Yeah, I, I think you know that 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 was disappoint. That was a disappointing aspect. I think th- something needs to change in the attitude of the way this team plays. And yeah. I think it I needs think to be with more confidence. I think it needs to be with more. Um, there needs to be more aggression. Yeah, and there needs to be like. There needs to be a bit of a shake-up. There needs to be more aggression. And they really need to be driven by winning. Like, I mean, that's the kind of attitude that Kilkenny have had for years and still have. And that, you know, like, and I mean, that is really key to their success. They're, you can talk about this, that, you know, their back line and their, you know, their, you know players like TJ Reid. But they want to win. Yeah. Um, And I have no doubt that the players, you know, I have no doubt that they do want to win. But... It's kind of the thing of, like, everyone wants to win, but really, how far are they going to yeah. go for it? That style of play just does not suit them. No. And they're capable of much better than that. I suppose looking forward to Claire, for Claire, we'll get into, mm. you know, our discussion of the upcoming quarterfinal bit. But um, for Cork, anyway, that's a hell of a monster championship for them. Mm. And, like, they, they seem really enthused. They seem really, like, they're ready to win a championship again. But you cannot blame them because... Like, even before the final, they had gone a tougher route than a lot of teams who have won Munster. Oh, certainly. Um, they beat last year's All-Ireland champions in tip. They beat last year's semi-finalists and runners-up in Munster, mm. Waterford. And then they beat Clare, last year's league winners. Uh, you know, like, they, they were absolute underdogs coming into this. I think, actually, on my um, computer simulation, they were, uh, at the beginning of the season, ranked the least likely to win Munster. Uh, just because of the draw they were given. Yeah. But they came through with flying colours. Oh, no, massive. massive and they, they deserve all the, all the confidence they've built up. Yeah. On it, yeah. Like, it almost... Obviously, I want to see Claire winning, but it would have been a bit of a shame if Claire were able to do it by just kind of, like, beating Limerick and then maybe narrowly beating Cork. I think Cork really... They've done so much to deserve this. Um, mm. They've been spectacular in the last few games, and... You know, we've said before, if they can keep up this run of form, and if they can do it against more physical teams like Galway, uh, the sky's the limit for them. Exactly. Yeah. No, most certainly. Though that's a big if against Galway. That well. that is a big if. So moving on, looking on further onto other t- onto other topics, we move away from um, frustration, and and we'll we'll forget about it. We'll move on past this monster final. So. I suppose now we're down to the last six counties, and I suppose one of the main uh, points of conversation for this year's championship is that it is very open, and maybe even the worst county in this, I think they still have a fighting chance of winning the All-Ireland this year. I don't think it's it's impossible for any team in it. Mm. So I think at this point, we might uh, reassess who we think is most likely to win this year. Mm. Um, I think it's a good time to do it. I think a lot's changed since the start of the season um been a lot of shake-ups so i think this could be a good opportunity to visit you know six to one who do we think uh, are the favorites so i suppose i may as well kick off mm-hmm. uh or my number six the least likely team i think left in it wexford yeah i think they've had a great year great improvement obviously um you know great win against kilkenny and I can see them beating Waterford. I think that's going to be a really interesting match. But looking on from there, I'd be surprised if they can take on Cork on their current form. I'd be surprised if they could take on Tip on 
you know, if they keep up, you know, how they played against teams like Dublin. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, well, we already saw what happened when they played Galway most recently. I think they've been brilliant. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do next year. But I just don't think they have it in them to win in All-Ireland this year. I, I don't think they're quite there yet. Even if they're the most improved team, I think they were starting from too low a level last year to really be considered quite ready yet. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I would agree with that. Like, I'm, I, I would, ha- I, to be honest, I'd have Wexford pegged as six as well. Like, I, I yeah. think, like, massive improvements, but, um, just probably still not right to that level that they could really mount a challenge against, um, Cork, Tipper, Galway. And, uh, Computer agrees with that too. Computer gives Wexford a 4.5% chance of winning. Mm. So, you know, roughly one in 20, which, isn't awful, but maybe is kind of poor when there are only six teams left. <laughs> so, outside chance, but you know what? Stranger things have happened. Uh, number five, and I apologize for this, but I'm going to say Claire. <gasps> I think if the quarterfinal draw had been different, and if they'd gotten Waterford instead of Tip, I would put them a little bit higher. Mm. I think... Waterford would have been a roughly 50-50 game, but now they're definitely going into the quarterfinals as underdogs. Yeah. Um, and then looking forward from that, they'll have to play Galway afterwards, who, like, they, they've struggled with against Galway, uh, you know, fairly massively the last couple of times they played them. Yeah. And I think Galway have only gotten better since then. Um, and if, you know, if they don't have to play Galway, they have to play Cork again, which, you know, not impossible, but, you know, we, we, we've just had that match, so I, I don't want to, Go through all that again, but um, again, Claire, I think extremely talented team, extremely skillful team, but they just have too many flaws at the moment that they haven't quite gotten through. I think if they had one more match before the Munster final, and if they were just that bit further along in terms of figuring themselves out, yeah, they might be ready. But I think they they're just like one step or half a step behind all year, and I think. Yeah, just kind of similar to Wexford. I think they could win any game on the day, but they wouldn't be favourites to win any game on the day from here on out. And funnily enough, I'd actually agree with you there. Um, I I think just again, like we said, yeah, like there's something that there's something it's just not quite it just quite hasn't quite clicked yet. That I'm going to be optimistic and say that'll come with time, but not this year. I don't think. Computer agrees with both of us there too. Eight point nine percent chance for Claire. It's quite agreeable, you know, pewter. It is. Yeah. It's actually quite similar, I think, uh, as we go through this. Yeah. Um, number four, I have Waterford. I think still a good team, still a very good team, but I just don't know. I think they were better last year. I think, you know, they, they'll play great for huge portions of the match, and then they'll just do something stupid like they did, you know, against Kilkenny in the last 10 minutes, or like against Galway in the league. Or, and that just combined with the fact that they've struggled... They're just so up and down with their shooting. Um, mm. I think as good as a team, a good as team, a good as team as they are, they they just they're very flawed in certain areas. And I think maybe because they've been so good the last few years, other teams have really been watching them, and I think other teams know how to prepare for them now and know where those weaknesses are. I think maybe last year, the year before, they were able to surprise teams and maybe you know get a get a run on them before they knew what had happened. And they can't, they don't have that luxury anymore. And I think the longer they go on without uh, changing things up, I think the tougher it's going to be for them. Yeah, I think last year, really, we saw peak Waterford. Um, mm. 
in their in their current guise. I I, I and I again look. I wouldn't disagree with you here. Like I I would say yeah. Like like would I put them above Cork? No. Would I put them above Tip? No. Would I put them above Galway? No. Like I think they're you know fourth fourth really kind of fourth place really kind of makes sense to me there. And uh, com- this is one area where the computer differs. Computer has Watford as third most likely with twelve point two percent chance, and Cork fourth, which I think which I think is crazy. <laughs> that point eight of a difference is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think the computer is fair enough. I think actually I, w- I would agree and put those two teams in a bit of a. Well, I suppose it kind of has three teams in cluster. It has Wexford down at the bottom. Mm. Then it has Clare, Cork, Waterford, all with very similar odds. Mm. Um, and then it has Tip Galway off on their own with each of, like, either Tip or Galway, the computer gives, I think, over 30% chance. So, like, it considers one of those two winning more likely than any of the other mm. uh, four, almost. Or, like, roughly as, as likely as any of the other four winning. Mm. Um, so I, th- I think that's that's mostly fair. I think... Wexford are the real kind of outside chance. Then there is a bit of a kind of underdogs would could do it with Clare Cork and Waterford, and then it is probably Tip and Cork would be the the favourites for this year. Yeah, or um, you mean Tip and Galway, or Tip and Galway? Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I got distracted because Cork. I was going to say next are my number three. Um, I think months they're running monsters, showing that they're legitimate. Um, I suppose I still just wonder because they are so young. Can they keep this up? Can they avoid? Like every, I feel like every team has at least one bad day in them, and sometimes they'll scrape through, sometimes they won't. Either way, you're kind of better off having it early in the championship rather than later on. And I just wonder, do they have that kind of dud match waiting for them in the semi final or the final? Especially now in the semi final, it'll be a longer break maybe than they've had in a while, and I just wonder if the rust might affect them negatively mm. there. Uh, number two is Tip. You know, I think last last episode we were down them a bit because they seem to struggle, and they have had a few, they have had a few of those dud matches and iffy days so far this year um, between the league and the championship. But you know what? When they play well, I don't think anyone can beat them. And yeah, just that hammering of Dublin kind of reminded us of that. Mm. My number one choice then, as I've said before in previous weeks, just Galway have been so strong this year, and I think. They were excellent last year, but in the meantime, they've added in better fitness. Like, not only are they strong, but they can run and they can play a full, like a full match uh, at a great pace. They finally got more support for Joe Canning. They have way more scoring options than they used to. With Coonies, yeah. Um, apart from Clare and Cork, uh, I think they've beaten every other team that remains in the championship at this stage. Yeah. And that's because, you know, they haven't played Clare or Cork so far this year. But you look back at last year, they're fairly hammered player. And you look at Cork currently, I think the one test that they haven't had yet is a really physical team. So, you know, and, and, and a team that can kind of dominate possession the way that Galway can. Uh, I think maybe Cork's forwards are better, but I think if they can't get the ball as much as they're used to, it's not going to be easy for them. And Canning and those two Cooney brothers can, you know, score points all day long. Like, they're not a, pro- not a problem to them. You know, just as well as Corks uh, like Cadigan or or um, Lahan can do. You in agreement then for the last two? So yeah, I I, I nearly one. part of me nearly thinks that for for the last three, 
It's hard to tell with Tipperary. I think their their match against Clare will tell a lot. But yeah. part of me thinks I'd nearly put Cork ahead of Tip, just in terms of consistency. Interesting. Tip have nearly been more, or Cork have nearly yeah. been more consistent in my mind of recent of recent recently. Was we'll in their last it, three matches? It feels very funny saying that in light of how up mm. and down they were during the league. But you know what? For the championship, you're right. They have been absolutely like up for the match every single time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like whatever was going wrong with them and with them in the league they've they seem to have uh, cracked it like they seem to have figured out what it was because they haven't had any off days like that since so yeah i, I think that's a fair point um i'm gonna stick with my my odds but yeah i think that's fair and galway is at number one i would certainly agree with i have yeah, yeah i think that's i think they're just clear clearly on uh, nearly a cut above most other teams that are left to be honest um, and then really, really between Tip and Cork, like I think Galway still stands stronger. Yeah, and uh, computer agrees anyway. Galway has thirty two point six percent chance. And uh, if you want to continue tracking those ratings as matches go on, uh, go to the ratings page on takeyourdatapoints.com. Sweet. Yeah, nice little plug there. Right, so let's get on to uh, the next weekend. We have the two quarterfinals, Saturday. Tipperary versus Clare in Parky Cueve. Mm. First uh, inter-county match in Parky Cueve since the opening. Exciting. exciting. Very exciting. Uh, whatever about the match, I'd say it should be a good atmosphere. And hopefully Clare fans can show up this time in a bit better numbers. And uh, then mm. Sunday is going to be Waterford versus Wexford. Um, both interesting matches. I suppose we'll start off, we'll go chronologically, Tip versus Clare. Um, oh, and uh, on, on a side note, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here. The, the Park Cueve thing, it is exciting. In in writing up my notes, I did do a Google search to double-check the spelling, because my Irish is bad, I need to know where the fodders go. And uh, as of recording, the Park Cueve website have put the fodder in the wrong place. Um, on the title in the page tab, uh, they, they messed up the location of the fodder. So uh, I, I have to say, I feel less bad about Googling spellings after that. Mm. But even they can't get right. And You know, they've, they've had a lot of a lot of problems getting it reopened. They've missed a few deadlines and everything. Let's hope now that this uh, misplaced spot isn't an indication of more troubles to come. Yeah, uh, I, I hope. I'd hope not, especially because we're going to be in there for the fir- for the first intercounty yeah. match. I, I really would. I really I would hope want, not. I don't want the stadium to fall in on us. No, um, certainly not. I don't want us to have to. I you know I want I want us to be able to run on the pitch at at the end of the match because Claire win, not because everything's collapsing around us and that's the only bit of open space in sight. Definitely. Yeah. So, right. Tip and Claire. <clears throat> hmm. I think, and you have it here, that Claire are definite underdogs and I couldn't agree more with you on that. I think yeah. for Claire, in order for Claire to actually win this match, they need to abandon the mode of thinking that went into that Cork match. They need to really go. They need to make. They need to play to their strengths. They need to do what they do well, and what they do well is they have good forwards, they have a good midfield, and they also need to realize what their limitations are as um with regards to their midfield in terms of like by September, yeah, the likes of Tony Kelly could score from that distance out, um, like he did against Cork, uh, like he was trying to do against Cork. But at this point in time, 
it's a very tall, you know, it's a very um, tall ask, really. Yeah, and and we shouldn't, we shouldn't. The rest of the panel, uh, and Tony Kelly himself probably shouldn't be feeling like he has to do that. No, anyway, they shouldn't have to. Like there, there should be options. They should have more confidence in their in their passing and in their longer range passing. Because mm. um, I think we did see against Cork. You know, it's it's not their biggest strength. There are other most other team of the top teams at least would be better than them at winning fifty fifty balls, but they're not terrible at it, and they seem to think that they're just terrible. I think when they really go for it and when they have a bit more confidence mm. that they can do it, they can put it up. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I think listen, there's no harm in in uh, studying who you're going up against and trying to figure out you know what are they good at, what are they bad at, yeah. how do we force them into situations where they're bad at it. But I suppose two things. One, we need to know that their backup plan isn't equally effective, like Cork's was with the uh, short puck outs that ended up just as good as any regular puck out for them. Yeah. And also, players just need to enforce their own own game that bit more. Oh, um, certainly. I do think Claire are big underdogs in this one. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Um, I don't think they've had... Really, I don't think they've had enough matches to get things together in a way. Um, you know, I'm, I was so glad. I'm so glad not to see them go through the back door. But there are benefits, and I think it does give you practice. And some teams do benefit from that kind of week on week play. Yeah, and I think that is something I'd have liked to have seen as well. Actually, more matches, and maybe you know, next year with the new format, if that goes ahead, you know, yeah, you never know. It could be. It could, it could suit be them more. At, at least it'll um, be a better start. We'll say to the championship for them. But. Uh, I don't think it's impossible for Claire, but there's a lot that they need to do in this. I think they need to play more cohesively. Uh, they need to play a bit smarter, you know, not taking shots from way out. Yeah. Adapting when it's apparent that their tactics aren't working. Uh, not hitting the ball over the sideline 50 million times uh, like they're playing rugby. Yeah. And I think one of the main things as well is just chase down possession a bit more. Don't assume that the other team's going to get it in a 50-50 set situation. And when they do, just chase them down. Like, Make sure that they have to work just to hold on to the ball. And, and um, watch for the break in ball. Yeah. You, know, like yeah. If, you know, if you go up and neither of you catch the ball, you need to have someone there to scoop it up. Yeah. You just... You, yeah, just good positioning, good awareness. But I think really, like, you look at reason that Cork and Galway have done so well, I think a huge amount of it is just their refusal to accept when the other team gets possession. They will knock it out of your hands if they get half a chance mm. or I... knock it off your hurl. And Claire just need to, you know, get that bit... I, I hate, I, I sound like an owl fella or something, but, you know, they need to toughen up a little bit. They, they, they're very skillful and, you know, I think when they, they can get on incredible scoring runs sometimes, but mm. they need to they need to make sure that the other team doesn't do the same and doesn't match their scoring like Cork did in last match. What I'm hearing is they need to attack the shins. Yeah. I mean, it's what ended my career in hurling was yeah. uh, frustration with being hit in the shins a uh, hundred times a minute go. against other 10-year-olds. So um, Go for the shins, I feel like it, if, it, it can, if, if it worked for the people playing me at 10 years old, it can work for Claire against Tip. Yeah. For Tip, for tip then, in order to essentially win this match... They need to show up. They need to show up. They need to be consistent, and they need to push. You know, they they can't drop off in this game, and they can't, we'll say, become complacent. Like no. you know, Westmead's that Westmead match would have sounded alarm bells in my head. That Dublin match, 
slightly silence those alarms. But I would say, you know, there's question marks about about their form as well. I would say, you know, neither team was was a a massive challenge to to a, a team like Tip. Yeah. Um, I think for both Tip and Clare, they haven't yet proven that they can. They haven't yet beaten a real top contender in the championship yeah. yet. You know, I, I, I'd say Limerick are about on par with Dublin, and mm. so far those are the only kind of you know proper wins really. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if we can even count Westmeath as a real threat. So, mm. and they've a lot um, to play for as well. Like both teams have a lot to play for. Um, yeah. Like really, look, if, if I was to have my final say on it, like I'm not going to go, I'm not to go, I'm not going to go against Clare. So I'll go for Clare. Um, <laughs> I I am not I am not deluded in terms of like I obviously think like Tipper Tipper a, a very good team and the rest of it I I just can't go against Claire on this yeah. one so I'm gonna go for them I'll put it all on red and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I do think Tip are the favourites to win this, mm. um, but I do think it's possible for them to maybe get that bit complacent and if Claire can peak at the right time during the match and you know if they could if if that happens to tip if if they do kind of um go off the boil slightly i think claire can really take advantage and put mm. up a lot of points in quick succession um i'd, I'd say claire are very capable of surprising tip in this one yeah but, you know on, on, on tip side they do i think their keys to winning it is just avoiding that complacency and kind of like what court did establish the pace of the game make sure that you're kind of <laughs> You know, controlling the rate with mm. at which both teams are scoring, almost just you know, yeah. if, if Clare score a point, make sure that they don't get a a second one in uninterrupted. Um, yeah. I think if they can do that, they have a great chance of winning. My pick for the game, you know, I I know that Tipper are the favourites, but I can't go against Clare, so I might just abstain on this one. Ah, uh, no, we'll just take that as a Clare. Come on, yeah, uh, uh, fuck it. Like you know, yeah. we, we both know like that the odds are far stacked against us, but like you know. But I think not as far as some people might think. No, and I mean, and I mean, look, like I see it here. Pewter's pick is Tipperary at sixty-six percent, and I mean that's like you know, Clare have a one in three chance essentially of winning this, which it's not terrible. I, I think that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you I mean, know, I think that's a, I think that's actually a pretty fair reflection, to be honest, of I the think odds. So. Um, I, w- I definitely wouldn't do- disagree with it. So, we'll yeah, see what happens. And, uh, you know, I think it's easy to forget too. Last, you know, these teams—they've only played one another twice in the last two years, yeah. and they both went one apiece. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, tip—they would be favourites going into this, and with very good reason. But uh, never count out an upset. We've seen far stranger things already in this championship. Exactly, on the banner. So, moving on to Sunday's game and mm. the last quarterfinal: Waterford versus Wexford, also in Parky Cueve. Oh. Um, I'm very disappointed they didn't do this as a double header because I wanted to see that match live. That that um, had been a, made a great double header feature. It would have been great, but I think that's the problem: is they realise they can probably sell out both matches. Yeah. Um, so they're going to do that rather than stuff uh, all four counties into one stadium. They know, uh, you know, and especially with Waterford and Wexford playing, both are kind of notorious for having great away support. Mm. Um, and kind of rabbit fan, but yeah, this one, whatever happens on Saturday, I will relax and enjoy watching this one on the Sunday. Definitely. Both very interesting teams. Um, both have had, or currently have, Davy involvement. Um, both usually play sweepers, but it's a very different style of sweeper, and I think it it reflects 
their different, you know, where their differences really do lie in that Wexford's sweeper system sets up for counterattacks where they have, mm. you know, they'll just have one guy pick it up and then the other backs just run up the pitch and become additional scoring threats. Uh, so that, you know, you really just have to stay on your toes to stop Wexford scoring from all over the place. Waterford, on the other hand, more kind of traditional, just defensive sweeper, just stop the other team getting through and, you know, rely on maybe one or two good sharpshooters to keep you going offensively. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen, I don't think we've seen these two teams play in their current forms yet. Which is cur- uh, which is going to make for an interesting so just, match. Yeah, there's, there's so much. I just, you know, I have theories about how this match will play out, but I have no idea if any of them are, th- are true yet. Uh, so I think it'll be just great to see how these teams play against one another. Well, I'm sure, whatever about your theories, I'm sure Davey has all his theories mapped out <laughs> with his Sabutio, with his Sabutio players and their little lollipop sticks stuck to, glued to them like Hurley's. I'm sure he's played out all the scenarios. I actually forget sometimes that Davey managed um, Watford for a time. Yeah, I I actually did forget. I only remembered, I only remembered just there when you said it, and I was like, oh yeah, God, you know, Watford, Wexford, Clare, like he gets around, um, yes. and he's capable of delivering at least two to three good years before the players burn out. Exactly, it, because he can't comprehend other people. I think not having the same amount of. Well, we talked earlier about like everyone wants to win, but like. You know, some people really want to win. Davey is someone who really, really wants, wants to win. win. He he understands, like, it's not just like, yeah, I, I take winning rather than losing, or, you know, I, I'll give it a go. Like, he is someone who I think he would give up his own life, and also probably preferably in his mind, the life of others, to win. Like, he, he really, it does feel like he would do anything. He's so passionate, and I think he doesn't understand uh, when other people don't show the same level of insane intensity. Which is probably very frustrating. Yeah, I imagine it's kind of a case of you're just that person who's, we'll say you're the outlier of all those people who are who are incredibly competitive and want to win. Yeah. He's an outlier amongst even those. <laughs> you know, he's yes. an out. He's like, you know, to one far end of the bell curve. Yeah, like he is like he's tailed off on that at the end of that bell curve, and it's a case of. Yeah, like even even you know even he you know even some teams even the most competitive teams couldn't withstand a force like him for too long. At um, uh, at this point, actually, you know, I, I suppose we've already gotten sidetracked, so I may continue the sidetrack a little. Mm. I'd like to give a book recommendation here uh, for Last Man Standing um, by Christy O'Connor, um, who's a fantastic sports writer, actually. Very good sports writer. Also, did he ghost wrote uh, Anthony Daly's autobiography, and he wrote. Uh, the club, which is excellent and worth a read. Fantastic. But, um, yeah. If you want to get some good anecdotes and interviews with uh, Davy Fitzgerald when he was still uh, Claire's keeper, it's a good book to read. And also, actually, you'll get the same uh, <laughs> kind of crazy stories, anecdotes, interviews with uh, Donald Cusack, uh, who, you know, while he was active at the same time. And I think it is definitely, I think all hurling goalkeepers need to be a bit crazy because. You know, you're having people fire a rock hard ball at you, you know, <laughs> at crazy speeds. You do have to be a bit crazy to take on that job, but I think they came out seeming to be the craziest of that bunch. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's just a good read while we're on this tan- tangent. I want to recommend that. But um, 
really what I'd say is it is an interesting setup um, in terms of Wexford, you know, they do have the sweeper. They they do play a sweeper, I suppose, as well. They have some some quite talented players. Lee Chin stands out, um, Redmond, and they have a couple of others who are whose names do not come to my mind at this stage, but they have done extremely well for themselves. They're on the up and up um, bar, like uh, obviously a disappointing loss in the, the Leinster final to a uh, uh, superb Galway. But, you know, m- my thoughts are Wexford have like a fairly have a fairly good off- uh, offensive um, capability. Waterford, I suppose, are stacked up more on the defense. Um, however, like they do have like players like Austin Gleason, who kind of seem to regain form, we'll say, uh, as of his last match against um, Kilkenny. You have lads like Morris Shanahan um, and the Bennett brothers, um, both Bennett brothers as well, who kind of seem to have picked up their game. And like they do present a, a, a danger at the goal. Um, so you know Waterford are not without their bite as well. So I think like it really does. It really is an interesting one. I think kind of what what would kill Waterford really is a quiet patch. Yeah, and we've and we've seen quite we've seen those quiet patches from them as and, well. And the they yeah. absolutely just those quiet patches kill Waterford. And I don't know how they actually happen or what goes you know what happens to even you know what happens to them mentally or uh, you know what brings it on but just there they kill them every single time and and they drag we'll say matches that they should be far ahead of and meant and um into like close um close fought things which um from a waterford standpoint shouldn't be happening really if i was to call it I'd, go and go, I'd give Waterford the edge on this one. I think they just have that bit more in them than Wexford do this year. Um, I think that is interesting because I feel like you nor, you're normally the one, you know, you, you hopped on the Wexford bandwagon early. You're I did. You're normally pushing them. I did. I've hopped I feel off. I, norm, I, I, I feel like I normally give Waterford a bit more of an edge than they really deserve. Mm. Uh, just because I think they've had an impressive turnaround from, say, three years ago. Um and I and I I almost just like doing it. I think because there's so much pushback against them because people don't like their style of play. Yeah. Uh, but I I kind of I want to draw. I I feel like I I almost see it as my duty to draw attention to the fact like look it's not the prettiest thing but it's very effective. Yeah. Um, but in this one while you've gone for Waterford, I'm going to slightly give my edge to Wexford. Um, I do think it's very close. I think it's very close to call. It's very difficult to call, especially because they haven't played one another yet this year. Yeah. They're I think they're both, especially Wexford, very different teams uh, from last year. Certainly. But I just think Wexford, you know, defensively they've been shaky, but I think Waterford have kind of possibly the weakest offensive uh, play Mm. of the top tier teams. Um, You know, still better than 90% of other teams, still better, I think, than anyone in in one uh, B bar goalie because I guess they're sticking still technically down there, but um, I I don't think their forwards are quite up at the right level, so I think Wexford might be given a bit more leeway in their full back line, and then on the flip side of like of that, Wexford like from their forwards to their backs, everyone can score and everyone has scored on their team, mm. and normally like Waterford, they really pressure you just by kind of you know covering the whole pitch and not giving much room, but I think when everyone is a threat to score. I think it just might counter that 
a bit better than most teams will. They're not trying to get it to specific players. They're just trying to, you know, get it forward any way they can. And, and get a good position to score from. Yeah, I, I just think, and I, I suppose while, the, while Wexford obviously haven't met Waterford too often, Davey certainly has. Oh, yeah, he certainly has, all right. Him and Derek McGrath, I'd say, have a pretty good rivalry going at this stage. But yeah. um, I think Davey still has a bit of the margin of surprise since Derek McGrath played Clare under Davey, not Wexford. Um, I'm just going to give a slight edge to Wexford. I just think they have something in them that will tip the balance in the, their favour. I'm not sure if I can quite pinpoint what it is. I think overall it's uh, that they just have better offensive play. And I think as well, just physically, they can take on Waterford's kind of stinginess. Yeah. But um, still a hard one to call, but I'm going to give it to Wexford. Either way... Um, yeah, just really looking forward to this one. I'm almost tempted to look into tickets myself, even though I'm going to the Clare match on Saturday, just because I think it should be exciting, you know? Go just hurling. sit up there as a neutral fan along with Cody or something. Go hurling mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't disagree with you in picking Wexford. I think it is going to be a very close thing. Probably closer than the odds Pewter is giving. Computer gives Waterford... Waterford's 64% mm. chance, which I think is a bit more dramatic than expected. But I think it computer can be a bit slow with up-and-coming teams like Wexford. Uh, it takes a while for them to adjust to them. Get, you know, in the same way, I think previously it uh, gave Kilkenny way too good a chance. Way uh, too good. Yeah, <laughs> as we found. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I think what... Yeah, I'll, I'll actually... I think uh, once the championship's over, I'm going to revise computers' rating system a little bit, uh, try and fix some of the errors in it, but that's an aside. That's, Can uh, you introduce, like, a hype factor? <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Train factor. Or uh, Train. Cork, cork confidence. Mm. It's it, It'd be a, a slightly modified version in which it would take computers' out, computers output, but then multiply it for how Cork, how likely Cork people thinks uh, yeah. think their chances of winning are, it'll actually be like multiplied by three. It'll be like I'll just ha- I'll I'll have to develop a sensor I can plug in with USB uh, just to get like a sense of the air in Cork uh, to see you know is there that sense that they're going to win it this year. But um, anyway, that that'll all be a future article on the on yeah. the website. I'm sure um, we're only about two hundred percent likely to win. I'd say. But um, speaking of the website, that is, as always, takeyourdatapoints.com. You can email us at mail at takeyourdatapoints.com or tweet us at tydatapoints. And uh, speaking of future articles, it's been a while. It's been quite a gap, but I'm going to chance it and say on the podcast now, I should hopefully uh, finally have a new article up before uh, next week's matches. (sighs) So um, that will be, I've mentioned before my long-awaited, my match analyzer so that will be an in-depth look at the Leinster final uh will hopefully be followed up by an in-depth look at the Munster final and then hopefully the All-Ireland final but it's it's uh you know I said when I did the shot chart one it was the most time-consuming one I've ever done and that was nothing compared to this one this one is really really uh time-consuming he's only one man people he's only one man this is a but it's a take your data points exclusive so uh, hopefully that'll come out nicely anyway, and mm. uh, keep it, keep an eye out on the on the Twitter to see when that goes up. Looking forward to it, and be interested yeah. to read it myself. And I look forward to not having to edit this week because it's finally your turn after me doing it. Well, we're, we're after racking up some serious uh, this is podcast a long one. time. This is a this long what happens one. when we leave a two week two week gap. 
<laughs> and you know, you, I, I feel we should put in some you know music under this as I go through the list. So you can, you can edit it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.